Welcome back for another helping of oysters, clams, and clickers presented by Bolin Media. I am Ross Bolin here with Mr. Barrett Dudley. And Barrett, yes, you yes. may have noticed I have begun the process of appealing to our future fungal overlords by dressing in strictly fungal tones. <laughs> Is that, what, is that what you're doing? Green pants, brown crew neck. Yeah, very, very those are earth tones. Fungi vibes only. Yeah, yeah, very natural, earthy, earthy colors that uh that yeah, that there could be some uh some fungals. I'm yeah, trying to you know? to let them know I'm a fun guy. You're a, yeah, that you're a fun guy. So they'll consider sparing me in the fungus wars to come. That's true. Uh and I was just moving like a fun guy. Um, you were doing by, a little dance there. By yeah, by fun guy I mean a a clicker. Yeah. Not a runner. Infected. Not a runner, not infected, but a full-on clicker. Notoriously bad at dancing, the clickers. Yeah, they don't. Yeah. They they don't have the the, the robot is the only yeah, one they can do. That's right. Yeah, yeah, they're good at that. Any any other dance any move? Other dance can't move, even do the sprinkler properly. Yeah, they're not very smooth in nah. their uh, in their motions. I don't know if you I don't know if you caught that. Not smooth criminals. No, yeah, nah. that's right. We are here today to digest episode two of HBO's The Last of Us, titled "Infected." Written for television by Craig Mazin, and in his television directorial debut, episode two was directed by the creator of the video game, Neil Druckmann. The Druckman. Big shouts to the Druckman for this one. Uh, let's dive in. We got another cold open this week. We start off in Jakarta, Indonesia, on September 24th, 2003. And if you'll recall, Jakarta was referenced in episode one on the radio during breakfast with Joel, Sarah, and Tommy. And it seems to be our ground zero for where this whole cordyceps outbreak yeah. began. So this doctor, <clears throat> Ibu Ratna, professor of mycology at the University of Indonesia, is enjoying her lunch when two members of the military come in and take her away to a lab where they have her analyze a prepared specimen of Ophio cordyceps. And I would note our doctor, the good doctor Ibu, or Ibu, either way, mm -hmm. is... Feasting on what appears to be a lunch that is, is primarily greens. Okay. Okay? She's not eating bread, is my point. All right. And people are theorizing about the, well, we'll get to it in a second, with the grain factory, the, uh, it sounds like a bread place where all this yeah. started. Yeah, and she, she says that it's, it's ripe, for, that that is ripe for, yes. uh, for, yeah. And it sounds like anybody who was, like, living the gluten-free life, uh -huh. or, like, Joel refusing those biscuits in episode one, no pancakes. He says no pancakes, right? And, and they don't have the pancake batter. It seems like if you avoided wheat, if you were on that, products, if you were on that Atkins diet, then you were solid. Which he mentions. Yes. He mentions Atkins. Yes. <laughs> yes. I'm serious. This is like a huge thing right now. People are talking about this online, Barry. Okay. All right. Um, so Dr. Ratna is. Uh, Oh, by the way, mycology is the study of the scientific study of fungi. If you didn't put that together, I figured I put those. I used my context clues. Yeah, and I said that must be the study of fungus. I still Googled <laughs> just to double check, you know, as a professional. Um, but it takes Ibu Ratna barely two seconds to identify what she's looking at through the yeah. microscope. So you know she's very good, Barrett. She's very, very good. And she asks why chlorazole was used to prepare the slide, which is when they inform her that because this is a sample taken from a human and that's how samples taken from humans are prepared, which obviously surprises the good professor because, as she says, cordyceps cannot survive in humans. And if you remember in the cold open for episode one, the scientists explained that due to the temperature in human beings, these fungi cannot survive inside us. So Ratna is going off of that belief. Uh, next, they get her into a biohazard suit. They lead her into a room to examine the woman, presumably from which this sample was taken. That, yeah, yeah. And uh, she checks out the bite near her ankle. 
and, and she uses a scalpel she to cuts into it there's to some, cut oh yeah fungus underneath yeah, well, yeah what is this it's like do you become like 90 percent plant yeah when you're yeah. infected like well, it just it, goes 90, crazy 90 percent fungus yeah just goes nuts up in there That's i right. guess they're not plants they're technically animals right is sorry i, I gotta go back so. to the grain thing is mold a fungus maybe what is is does mold is mold um does mold fall, fall under mycology it does it's yeah. a fungal growth that there forms and spreads on okay. various kinds of damp or decaying organic matter so that 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 right there i i feel like that's the that's the kind of connection that that, that we're talking mold here because that's you know grain bread mm. yeast yeast those things get very moldy very quickly oh sure yeah. oh sure oh hun. sure hun. Uh, so she opens up the dead woman's mouth next and uses tongs to pull out living strands of fungus. <laughs> and then she bails from the room because yeah, well, it looks that, like they're like reaching at her. Yeah, they're like, they are, hey, yeah. you're next. That's right. So she uh, gets the hell out of there. Um, then Ibu Ratnam meets with the military man, one of the two guys who came and grabbed her. And he explains that this happened approximately 30 hours ago, which again, this is all giving us some context on like how quickly the infected become infected, right? 30 hours ago at a flour and grain factory on the west side of the city, which as Barrett referenced, uh, Ibu Ratna says that that is a perfect substrate. And the military man goes on to explain that a perfectly normal female worker suddenly became violent and attacked four of her co-workers, biting three of them. And so they locked her in a bathroom until the police came. I would love footage of that struggle, by the way. And then she tried to attack the police, so they just shot her. They shot her, yeah. The people she bit were taken for observation, and then a few hours later, it became necessary, according to procedure, to execute them. And the professor is then informed that they don't know who bit the original woman here. Uh, On top of that, there are 14 other factory workers missing. And when they tell her, man, this is when the cold open gets like chillingly spooky her hand is shaking as she's holding on to her tea there so she has to set her tea down um, because she's shaking violently and she explains as the scientists did in the first episode's cold open that there is no vaccine for this there is no medicine and that the only plausible course of action bomb is bomb bomb start bombing bomb this city and everyone in it and then she starts crying, and she asks to be taken home to spend time with her family, family presumably before they all die. Yeah. So yeah, that was uh, another pretty, heavy one. Pretty dark. Yeah. Um, God sets the tone again. It sure did. I thought it was a good cold open. You mentioned her, like her handshaking with the tea. Mm. I thought that that performer did an excellent job as uh, Professor Ibu Ratna, and uh, I quite liked the I quite liked the cold open here. Um, it's actually my favorite part of the episode. I think they are using these cold opens as a means to give us more backstory and detail on things that basically we otherwise wouldn't see. Things that weren't in the video game, right? Uh, My guess, just as I was watching this one and as the episode started unfolding after it, I was like, oh, we're going to get one eventually that shows Ellie being attacked in the mall. Like her her origin for her, uh, her infection or I guess lack thereof. Yep. But uh, the bite, I, I'm guaranteeing, I'm calling my shot right now. That's one of the cold opens we'll get. Okay. Because I think they're doing this every week now. I think this is going to be like a, it's, we've, we've used this example before, but like in Breaking Bad, how they used to give you a cold open at the beginning of every yep. season, and then yep. you would build toward that. Right. It's sort of like that style. Of course, obviously, it's kind of the opposite in some ways too. But yeah, no, this was a, another great tone setting cold open that sort of left you uh, in, the, in, the dark, in the dark place in your mind where you're just like, good God, things are... 
It's terrifying, man. Every one of these, every episode we've gone so far, I become a little more convinced that the, the plants are going to come and get me. Or yeah. the fungi, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. yeah. So after the title sequence, we open on Ellie sleeping in a bed of fauna inside of a building with a butterfly flying over her. It looked like a monarch to me, Barrett. Yeah. Remember the Butterfly Museum? I do, yeah. Yeah. Over there in... Get to, uh, go, get to go over there and... Galveston, I Galveston, think it were. Moody, the Moody Butterfly yeah, Center or yeah. something like that. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Remember to keep an eye out for butterflies and giraffes, folks. Um, so Joel and Tess are looking over Ellie as she wakes up, and Joel's like gripping his rifle as they're still very unsure of her infected state. And Ellie explains that Marlene found her after she was bit, and they kept she, Marlene kept the other people from shooting her, and then they locked her in a room to observe her. Which makes me it just makes me wonder like was Marlene doing this with every bitten person she came across like. Oh, look, another one. Grab him. Let's get him in a... And how did they, like, transport her from... To where she was bitten to the, the room? I've just got questions there, so I'm wondering yeah. if we get some answers down the line. Yeah, th- well, there was... Uh, Marlene had a history with Ellie, right? Oh, yeah, Remember that's that? true. Like, yes, like, you're like, right. So, that explains so it. I, I think that's why, why she brought in Ellie. Because, you're right. Because of her personal connection, which may or may not have uh, already given her some crucial information. Yeah, entirely right. possible. But she is the one that put Ellie in the Fedra school. Right. So, and, and, you know, kind of saved her at some point there earlier on, because as she says in this episode, she is an orphan. Um, Ellie asks why they aren't being swarmed since they're out in the open city. And, and just from that line alone, but also something she says a little bit later, it seems like the Fedra folks are trying to get everyone in the quarantine zone in the QZ to believe that everywhere else is just constantly swarming with infected. Which makes sense strategically. That way no one wants to leave. Yeah. Because they think if you go out there, you're just immediately going to die. Yeah. Right? Which is clearly not entirely the case. Um, Joel's hand is broken from beating that Fedra soldier to death in episode one. He says it's a hairline and that it should heal quickly. But it definitely felt like, a, oh, this is going to be a problem. <laughs> when they, like, highlighted that. And uh-huh. then later he, like, slaps hands with it or grabs Ellie's hand to help her, like, out of the yeah. the water area. And he, you can tell he kind of recoils because it hurts. Um, Joel believes, as he expresses to Tess, that Ellie will turn sooner or later. And he wants to go back. He wants to sneak back into the QZ. They're still close to the wall. He wants to find a different way to get the battery because you have to remember, all of this for Joel and Tess is about getting this battery for this car so that they can go uh, search for his brother. Tommy. Tommy. And he says, you need to stop talking about this kid like she's got some kind of life in front of her. And uh, Ellie has a fantastic-looking chicken sandwich that Marlene packed for her, which apparently they get from smugglers, and Joel and Tess seem jealous of that Sammy. Yeah. They're just chewing on, like, beef jerky or something there. Yeah, do you, you think there's, like, one, like, underground, like, subway still <laughs> operational one, in the QZ? Like one that? sandwich artist in there? Yeah, one sandwich artist. That's, <laughs> that's what they're... And he's just like... Because, like, right? Because this thing looked pretty saucy. It looks good. Obviously, they, they don't have, like, the... Uh, They've lost the art of the of the hoagie making mm. of the sub the you know the subway yeah. bread. They still got square bread. But they though. still got the square bread. That's what they're using nowadays in in uh in the QZ subway. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it's a, it's a little secret secret spot that you gotta you gotta have the connections to. Maybe it was a Quiznos to get in on. It could have been a Quiznos. Yeah, it's possible. Um, Tess explains to Ellie that Joel and her are not good people. She's like, I'm gonna talk to you like an adult. We're not good guys. We're doing this for us, right? Because apparently you're worth something. And Ellie tells Tess that there is a Firefly base 
camp somewhere out west with doctors that are working on a cure. And I thought this was one of the more interesting points in the whole episode because Joel kind of butts in. He's like, we've heard this before. He even goes line for line with Ellie when she says that whatever happened to her is the key to finding the vaccine. Mm -hmm. He says, we've heard this a million times. Vaccines, miracle cures, none of it works ever. Right. Which was just interesting to me. I mean, I guess it if there is a lot of doubt on the side of Joel, right? A lot of negativity, a lot of pessimism in, in the way of like, this girl actually being worth anything. And I guess this sort of reinforces like why that is the case because he spent 20 years, you know, I assume hoping that something positive would come from the medical community at some point to stop all of this. And it never did. Yeah. And I also think it's just playing into like this, the, this idea that Joel is just extremely jaded you know, he. I mean, this is a broken man. He has never really recovered from the death of his daughter, Sarah. And um, R.I.P. And, and, and so everything is is just kind of like you feel like you you. My read is like the cynicism is is kind of always his take. It's why he's okay, not being a firefly, not being part of the rebellion, dealing with Fedra, making these types of deals, like staying on the outside of 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 that type of conflict, not really choosing like good or bad, right? No like real commitment. Just, no real commitment. He's just like the cynical, everything sucks, nothing's ever going to work out, like I'm just going to look after me, which makes it interesting as to why he's so set on getting out to Tommy, right? right? Because like it was that, like you, you kind of wonder if like that was his last true connection point. And if that being broken has added like another layer to this, to, to this guy who's just kind of super beaten down by, by, the, by the current situations. But yeah. he's definitely not inclined to believe, you know, in, in this type of hope at the moment that Ellie has any real value yeah. in terms of saving humanity. And yeah, I think you, you hit on something there that it seems like Tess and then of course, Tommy are really the only two people he really cares at all about that he has any connection to. And outside of those two, um, he's got nothing going, which of course makes this episode all the more heartbreaking down the line. Uh, in the end, Tess convinces Joel to finish this mission of, of taking Ellie to the old town hall though. Um, and uh, Joel says that he's like, fine, but if she so much as twitches and then Ellie starts like mimicking mm -hmm. a, uh, one of the infected and it's kind of a brief moment of comedic relief. Probably the only one we're ever going to get. <laughs> uh, Ellie does ask for a gun and they tell her no. And she says, Jesus, fine, I'll throw a fucking sandwich at them. And uh, then they venture out into the open city. Today's episode is brought to you by Hemp Hop at Hemp Hop.co. Hemp Hop began in 2014 when their founder and CEO, Jordan, was determined to help his father, Scott, who suffers from a condition which caused him to have swelling, seizures, and severe nausea. Jordan found CBD capsules, and within seven days of his dad, Scott, taking those capsules, his seizures slowed to a complete stop. He hasn't had a seizure since and was able to get off almost a dozen medications over the years. Scott's swelling has also disappeared, and today he's a much happier, healthier person. Hemp Hop initially started as a delivery service to get these products directly directly to the people that need them most, like Scott. They quickly became a manufacturer, and today, four years later, are fully vertically integrated with cultivation and processing. They have an incredible selection, whether you're looking to elevate your vibes or just relax and not get stoned. Hemp Hop has what you're looking for. Hemp Hop carries a huge variety of vape cart types and flavors, with live resin vapes being the top seller by far, but full-spectrum vapes and Delta-8 vapes. Also extremely popular and effective options available in half-gram and full-gram sizes, plus they have edibles, Hemp Hop's proprietary gummies and Belgian chocolates, which are actually outselling their smokable products every single day. People obviously love edibles as discreet 
and effective options for ingesting cannabinoids, and Hemp Hop is here to provide only the highest quality edibles for you, their beloved customers. Hemp Hop also carries the highest quality, cleanest grown hemp flour available anywhere for the smokers out there. They don't put anything out that they wouldn't eat or smoke themselves, which is exactly why I'm so stoked to have them on board as a sponsor of our show. They carry topicals, tinctures, capsules, bath bombs, and dog treats as well. Hemp Hop offers shipping worldwide, anywhere hemp is legal, with customers in every single U.S. state and all throughout Europe as well. And for you, Clam Fam, Hemp Hop is providing a 10% off discount when you use the code DRAGON. DRAGON at checkout on hiphop.co. But if you place an order of $200 or more, use the code DRAGON20. DRAGON20. And you'll get 20% off your order. Just go to hiphop.co, use code DRAGON for 10% off or code DRAGON20 for 20% off your order of $200 or more. That's hiphop, H-E-M-P-H-O-P dot C-O. They've got, uh, they've got some CBD tea on there. They got everything, man. G- guess what type of CBD tea I got. What? Mushrooms. <laughs> the you know city what, of <laughs> you know you know want to know what type of mushroom one of the types of mushrooms sits in there. What cordyceps? You're lying. I swear to God. Don't worry though; it's not going to infect you. Wow. Yeah. What are the odds? <laughs> so they go out into the city of Boston, completely and utterly <laughs> destroyed. They bombed the shit out of this place, Barrett. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they really went at it. There's very few buildings that are unscathed. Um, we get multiple shots, by the way, when they first walk out of the initial building that they were in into the light that are, again, straight from the video game, masterfully recreated and, and once again, deja vu inducing for all the gamers that are watching. Uh, Tess explains they bombed most of the big cities in an effort to slow the spread and that actually it worked in Boston to some extent, uh, but it did not in most places yeah. like, you know, like old Ibu Ratna there wanted to... Uh, yeah, which I do. think was probably a nod to why Bomb. they're all in why why they ended up in Boston, right? Like it, Joel is from Texas. Yes. You know, like so he he's really far away from from where he started his journey. And so I think that was just a little nod to like but the Boston QZ is like one of the big ones. It's one of the places where an actual type of civilization yes, was, was established able to, to kind of yeah be established and, and maintain itself. Yeah, you were, you and I were also questioning in the uh, or you know I think it was on Patreon last week actually we were talking about like why they initially were so keen to just get the hell out of Austin, Texas immediately, and I think the answer there and it was tied in with the military experience of Joel and Tommy as well. Mm-hmm. The answer is that they knew the bombs were coming. Like, if there was a big infection mm. outbreak type of situation, I think that they were probably keen to the fact that there were going to be... Yeah, you got to yeah. get out of the big, highly populated areas because that's where the bombs are going to get dropped. Um, so our trio picks the long way to get to the state house over the we're fucking dead way, as Tess puts it. So first they're going to the hotel. Um, and on the walk, I would note, they pass a giraffe-stuffed animal that is on the ground there. And Ellie explains to Tess that she snuck into the old mall in the QZ where nobody's supposed to go. And she tells Tess that she was in there alone because she's asked. But I felt like she was lying Mm. and that there was someone else there with her that perhaps she lost in the struggle. Like that when she got attacked, it was somebody else too. And maybe somebody even saved her and that person, you know, died or otherwise got turned or whatever you want to call it at this point. Okay. Um, just something to keep an eye out for, because there was also somebody that Marlene referenced in episode one that we have no other ideas around who that person would be, and I think it's going to be the person that she was in the in the mall with, if I'm uh, if I'm allowed to take a swing at it here. Um, 
Everyone, oh, Ellie says, everyone said the open city was crazy, like swarms of infected running around everywhere. And they're kind of like, no, nah, not really. And she's like, so there aren't super infected that explode fungus spores on you? And Tess says, shit, I hope not. And she's like, or ones with split open heads that see in the dark like bats? And then <laughs> Tess reacts like, oh, yeah, those are actually those are actually real. Yeah. That's, those are coming up in a few minutes here. Um, we know them as clickers. So the hotel that they get to is flooded and filled with fauna, fungus, whatever the fuck, like everything else. It's crazy how much progress the fungi and the plants were able to make in 20 years, by the way. Like as we're, as we're going around the city. For, uh, for, you know, for these molds. And undeterred. Yeah. They're yeah. growing. It, yeah. it, you know, so you got to keep that in mind. Uh, they climb 10 floors to the top of the hotel and find the path they used to take has been caved in. It's kind of a theme in the game. You, you, they keep being like, we're going to go this way. And then you get there and it's like, oh, look, everything collapsed. We yeah. can't go this way. It even happens a little later again in the episode. Yep. Um, but Tess has to climb and go around to open up a door for them, which really just serves as a mechanism to give Joel and Ellie some time alone to attempt to get to know each other a little bit. Uh, he compliments her knife, and, and she tells him she learned how to, how to flip her knife in the circus, which is obviously a lie. And uh, he tells her he's from Texas. Tess is from Detroit, Michigan, as it were. And uh, he will not comment either way on if they are a couple or, or how they ended up in Boston, though. He's, he's not willing to give Ellie much information here, which is a shame because as viewers, we want that information. Um, but Ellie does ask an important question. How long do infected live? And Joel explains that some last about a month or two, which seems like a really short time, right? But then there are others who have been walking around for 20 years. Yeah. And I'm wondering what the determining <clears throat> factor is there. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta wonder. We find out Joel has killed lots of infected, and that sometimes it is hard for him, knowing that they were people once, so, or at least he's willing to say that. I don't know how true it is. Um, but eventually, Tess finds her way through to opening the door and leads them out onto a balcony where another one of our more interesting scenes in this episode unfolds. They see a ton of infected just laying out on the ground. Just flopping like fish. Outside this, yeah, <laughs> this is what it looks like. There's a ton of floppy fish out there. Yeah, yeah. Um, outside of this building. Driving around. And you see as like the, as the scene unfolds, there's cloud cover, right? And Uh the clouds are going by and casting a shadow down onto the infected. And as the cloud cover dissipates, the sunlight hits them and they seem to react to it. They're like, oh God, it's bright. You know, somebody, somebody turn the light off. Like it, it, it's an interesting thing because we don't really know like what is their relationship with the outside world, these infected. Yeah. Like yeah. can they just go anywhere? This kind of almost hints that there might be like a vampire-like quality to them. Like they do better in the dark because okay. the light screws with them somehow. Yeah. yeah. And remember later when they show up to the museum, Joel is out front testing to see if the if the fungi on the ground is still it's moist. Live. Right, right. And he yeah. says it's bone dry. bone dry. So it seems like maybe the sun dries them out. But then my question is, what the hell were they all doing out there flopping around like fish? Right. Well, here's a tip for you uh, and all of our listeners out there. Yeah. A- after you take a shower, you're supposed to leave the light on in that bathroom for at least half an hour. Wait, why? Because that because because darkness adds to like the dampness and it attracts mildew and mold. No well, shit. Yeah, the light helps kill like the the possibility of, of mildew and mold. That's a shame because I've been so, showering in the dark for years. Yeah. No. See. Yeah. Don't do that. I don't um, like the look of myself naked. <laughs> So a little tip for all of you out there, if you would like the, you know, the mildew and the cordyceps and the mold to not grow and incubate in your own personal shower, don't become patient zero. 
do not allow your bathroom to be ground zero for the next you know pan- global pandemic that's the mushrooms this time. Uh, yeah, leave that light on for 30 minutes. I can't believe Fan that... and light. Fan and light on for at least 30 minutes after you shower. Your strange shower knowledge <laughs> is actually answering this question for us. I'm serious. I think yeah, we've hit yeah. it on the head here. It's like the light dries out right. the, these the, the funguses. Fungus. Yeah, yeah. And they, they know likey. But again, that would lead me to ask the question, why the fuck? Why what are they, they out all, there? What were they all doing out there? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Weird stuff. Um, they are, they're, they're a hive mind. Yeah, they're connected. You know, they're all interconnected. Yeah. Um, talk across strands that go for miles. Yeah. Ellie says they're connected, and Tess replies, more than you know, the fungus also grows underground, uh, which almost feels like a Gears of War thing for those of you who are gamers, but long fibers like wires, some of them stretching over a mile. She says you step on a patch of cordyceps in one place, and you can wake up a dozen infected from somewhere else. She really undershot that number, by the way. (laughs) And now they know where you are, now they come, she says. She's trying to prepare Ellie like... She says, we want to keep you alive. This is important. You know, remember it like anybody would forget being told that. Uh, yeah, but since the pile of infected out there is blocking them from going that direction, they have to go the short way, the we're fucking dead way, through the museum where there is a, a path across the top floor that we obviously see later on. So Joel and Tess bust out their flashlights Ellie once again asks for a gun to use in her spare hand and is denied a weapon of her own for like the third or fourth time. I'm guessing, pure guess here, that the moment Joel finally gives Ellie a gun Mm -hmm. is a big one (laughs) based on the amount of buildup we're getting here with like her wanting a weapon. Or it's also saying something about her, perhaps. I don't know. But uh, it is being highlighted, I would note. So they go to the Bostonian Museum, which is terrifying. It's... uh, just from the get the whole like get the doors like creaked open already for them like come on in, and uh, immediately Ellie finds like a recently deceased human being right there in the corner who, and she's really taken aback by how messed up this guy is. By the way, she's like, I got attacked by one of these things and it was not capable of doing whatever the hell happened to this guy, mm-hmm. which is just all building to like, look in the first episode we only saw runners, yeah, right as they're as they're meant to be classified runners who had not yet or will not become clickers, I guess. We don't know. Some people make it a lot longer than other people, right, it turns out. Right. But this was all like the build-up to like, we're dealing with another level of infected here that you haven't even seen before. Um, and the second that they discover that guy and see how torn up he is, Joel and Tess start whispering to each other. Like, they're clearly like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. This is not good. There are going to be clickers in here. <laughs> and Joel gives a uh, an order that from this point forward, they are silent, Barrett. Not quiet. Silent, as it were. Today's episode is also brought to you by our listeners supporting the show on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, in exchange for an additional exclusive and ad-free episode per week where Barrett and I further digest and discuss each episode of The Last of Us with voicemails from those of you in our Mollusk Militia tier. We appreciate everybody who's already supporting us on Patreon, and if you want even more OCC, even more Barrett and me discussing The Last of Us, that's the place to get it, patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, where immediately upon sign-up, whether you join the Crustacean Nation, which is our $5 a month tier, or the Mollusk Militia, which is our $10 a month tier, and you gain access to our hotline number to call in so you can be featured on the show, as well as our Discord server, uh, you also will immediately gain access to our 
all of our bonus coverage of House of the Dragon, where Barrett and I did an additional episode almost every week for uh, each episode of House of the Dragon, driven by hotline calls from our listeners, as well as our bonus coverage for The White Lotus Season 2, and we did an entire companion podcast for HBO's classic crime drama, The Sopranos, a podcast for every single episode of The Sopranos, friendly to first-timers and rewatchers. It was Barrett's first time. It was my seventh or eighth and we had a blast doing The Sopranos. So you get all of that when you sign up at patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles. Today, to support the show, go to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles and get a whole boatload more OCC. So our trio makes their way up into the Boston Museum where all hell breaks loose almost immediately because guess what? Barrett, a wall collapses like behind Tess and Ellie as they're making their way in and it activates what ends up being our first set of clickers in this entire series. And again, just a reminder, we talked about this on Patreon last week, but the only infected we had seen up to this point are runners, right? There's a progression here. You go from like a runner to a stalker, stalker to a clicker yeah. Yeah. to a bloater, bloater or a shambler. And, a and, shambler. and we don't really know what those last two are. Um, I'm still not <laughs> clear on the difference between a runner and a stalker even. Yeah. But it is what it is. The shambler is when you suddenly take on the peer, the appearance of a uh, famous actor and spokesperson, William Shambler. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a cousin of William Shatner. Oh, Shatner. That's oh, right. That's, that's right. The yeah. Shat man. Yeah. Um, I'm wondering if either the bloater... Uh-huh. We're assuming that the bloater is the giant steroided up one that they've shown us in the, in yeah. the trailer yeah. and whatnot. Yeah. I'm wondering if the shambler is perhaps the one that Ellie was rumoring about, like that, that, that like spits spores at you or whatever. Mm, yeah, yes. So maybe yeah. we'll find out later on. Um, but clickers are the ones... Pew, 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 pew. Who Ellie had referred to the spores being seen. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like a laser. <laughs> who had uh, she had heard rumors of their heads having exploded, and now they see in the dark like bats. Yeah. yeah. Although I would note they don't see anything because they're totally devoid of eyes. They just have some like weird echolocation. Right. That's what all the clicking is well, about. That's how bats see. That's how they navigate. That's how, yeah. Yeah. Clicking. Yeah. Um, Joel gets attacked. But, and by the way, unloads on this clicker that attacks mm-hmm. him. Like, three, four shots to this thing. It does not go down. He tells Tess and Ellie to run. They do. They immediately get separated from each other, of course. So it's like the three of them in different spots on this floor. And uh, this is where we lose sight of Tess momentarily. And where I'm assuming she got bit. Yeah, probably so. Right? Um, Joel and Ellie end up meeting up and creeping around a desk, which is like a scene that very closely resembles the scene in Jurassic Park where the two kids are in the kitchen with the raptors and, uh, Joel and Ellie get pounced on just like the raptor pounces in that scene. And this is where Ellie gets bit, I assume. And, uh... Joel fights them off, but runs out of ammo, and right when it looks like this other clicker is about to get them to, Tess pops out with like a hatchet and just brains this thing, saves their asses. But the, man, biggest takeaway for me, for me from this scene was how difficult it is to kill one of these things. Right, like Walking Dead, you graze one in the head, it's over. That thing's head pretty much pops right, off. Right. Yeah. Um, but this is like you've got to hit it somewhere good. I don't even know. I couldn't even get a feel. Like it kept like it felt like he was shooting some of them a couple times in the head before they went yeah, down. Yeah. No, I thought it was a good representation of anybody that's played the game will know that 
some of these little missions where you're creeping around and you got like 15 clickers to deal with or whatever are incredibly difficult. Yeah, it sucks. And, and this is part of the reason why is because they do not just go down with like one headshot. You have to like hit them perfectly or hit them multiple times or you know, brain their ass and like you can't make any noise and like or it just all, wakes all, the other ones all, up. Yeah, all all this type of stuff I think is is kind of what they were showing you here is just how you know, how deadly and dangerous these things are, especially if you are suddenly dealing with multiple oh, or, yeah. God forbid, a, a large group of them. Yeah, it's not great. Um, so Joel asked Tess if she's all right, and she's like, yeah, yeah, I just twisted my ankle. She plays it off great, by the way, after she gets bit here. She's like, I didn't immediately uh, pick up that this was the scene that she yeah, had no. gotten that mm-mm, bite. Mm-mm. Um, but Ellie, of course, revealed, she's like, you got to be fucking kidding me. She got bit again, <clears throat> like, same spot. Yeah. Same exact spot. Uh, as her first bite. So Joel tapes up Tess's ankle and she gives him a pep talk about being positive, basically, and like believing that for once maybe they could actually win. Mm-hmm. And at this point, she clearly knows that she's infected, but she's not telling the squad yet. She's just like trying to shift Joel's mentality before she, you know, yep. goes full blown zombie apocalypse on us. Joel and Ellie end up taking in the view here uh, after she crosses the the gangplank, as it were, that piece of wood, the little wood bridge. And he asks, is it everything you hoped for? And this entire scene is a fucking copy of a cut scene from the video game where Ellie responds, jury's still out, but man, you can't deny that view. And I actually saw an Instagram post last night that had the side-by-side of the mm. scene from the video game and the scene in the show, and it's, like, literally almost flawless, the, the uh, representation here. And I keep bringing up the game, the video game. For those of you who are annoyed, uh, look, it's just so the non-gamers in our audience will realize how closely they are sticking with the source material. We wondered, after episode one, would they stick with the source material as closely kind of throughout this entire show or series or whatever season? And episode two might have done so even more closely than episode one did. Uh, we'll get to one of the major differences here at the State House, but I was kind of taken aback by just how closely they stuck to the game. Yeah, so uh, there were certainly a lot of uh, similarities in episode one. Um, I, the, the difference for me was that the, the 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 locations in episode one are slightly more relatable in real world scenarios, right? Because sure. we we had a little bit of the pre times, and then we still had like a town that we were semi familiar with, even though destruction and chaos and and an apocalypse was happening all around us. And then we had like a QZ, which is kind of just like a military base, which we've kind of seen before, all that type of stuff. Sure. Right? So it's, it all felt like something that 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 you'd kind of that you were semi familiar with. Here in this episode, we start getting scenes that feel very, very reminiscent of the video game. And it's actually something that I bumped on on this on this episode a little bit. Didn't think this episode was great, uh, on, to be honest. Uh, I just um, I, And I thought that it was like, I came in here after episode one saying like, I wonder if the key is just that they sh- that people should just follow the video game more. And now I'm, I'm kind of doing a 180 on that. Because here I thought some of the negatives of this episode were was that it felt too similar to the video game. You'd already seen all this, yeah. Well, and it's and it's not only that I'd seen all of it, but it's like, because we were trying to do some of these like shot-for-shot recreations, in a world that has so much detail and so much like, you know, they're really taking us to a, to a, 
a Boston that's been 20 years of of like, you know, full exposure to uh to the to the mushrooms and the fungus and has been completely taken over and completely in ruins. And I don't know about you, but I could just I I could see like green screen. I lot, don't think in, I'm as highly trained my eye to a lot to of, cap to see okay. that the way yours does. Yeah, and and so in a lot of spots I just felt like okay, well they definitely had to put that on a green screen and then they definitely had to put that on a green screen. And so we just got like a lot of walking around. Yeah. Like where you always bump against this though. It happened with you in House of the Dragon too. When there's like the big obviously had to be CGI, yep. had to be green screen stuff in the background. Well, I think you have a tendency to get I, caught up on that. I do. And it's and and just I'll make I'll just make the comparison to a couple of shows. Both Station 11, which has a lot of similarities to this one. You didn't watch this, right? No, I watched okay. the first episode and went, "Not right now, sorry." Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Uh and then Andor, both of which had to show not necessarily like similar things, but but in some cases they were similar, but they had to take you to different worlds. And both of those shows, I think, were like fully committed to like bringing down the scale in a way so that they could show everything that they wanted to show in like like on actual sets. Right. This one, it's, it's so expansive and they need to take you to so many places and they need to show you so much that 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 you could see that a lot of it was like, well, they've clearly built out like this piece of the set that they're walking on. And then everything and then else everything is, in the background yeah. is just kind of like superimposed. And so it, it it wasn't just the visuals that that I had somewhat of an issue with, but just the the combination of that in service of an episode that I felt was like 35 minutes of them just like walking. Dude, when I'll tell you for my I guess to give my my small critique of this one similarly, uh when it ended I was like, well that was it. Yeah, that was that not was much, not like that was it. Ve- like the the what happened in this episode could have been fifteen minutes, and so that that was kind of like my my big takeaway. And I ended up really liking, I, as I already mentioned, I loved the cold open, thought that was great, and then I thought the last fifteen minutes of this episode were good. But it's almost like I I almost felt like what happened before the last fifteen minutes could have happened in fifteen minutes See, instead but- of. Yeah, thirty-five or forty or however long it was. For me, the reason for being kind of like that was it was that I had literally seen all of that, and a lot of the dialogue even was straight from the video game. And again, yeah. not to bring it up, but like that is a piece of this for a lot of people who are watching uh, the video game and how closely they stick to it. And it's part of the reason I said last week, I'm glad I didn't play the rest of the game. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't. This was so the last stop drawing the comparison. Like, did you know yeah. what was going to happen to Tess? No, I didn't. So that which... one is the last big spoiler I knew. Okay. Like I knew. And it's another reason this episode for me, even the last 15 minutes, I wasn't like, whoa, because I already knew that was coming. So since we do have some video game uh, experience up until this point between the two of us, maybe you can help fill in a little bit of a gap for me. Do you do you pick up Tess along the way? Or in the video game, when you're ex- when you're escaping the QZ with Ellie, do you have her with you? You have her with you. Okay. All right. And so you 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 um like Tess and Joel are going on that mission together. Yeah, I'm pretty confident. All right. All right. There's one. There's uh obviously it's several hours of gameplay. I think to get to this Tess portion, maybe a few. Yeah, a few probably. Yeah. yeah I, maybe I was somewhere similar because I think that I remember being in something that was a museum. Yeah. It's a pretty hard level, pretty hard th- I mean, it's your you first really scary one where you're like, oh my yeah, God, yeah, yeah, yeah. what the hell is this game going to do to me? Yeah. Um, that really puts you back on your heels a, a little bit, so. I think that's the last scene that I, that I the, the, the last kind of like mission or level that I played on the video game. Okay. Because I, I had some recollection of that, but I definitely don't, 
remember anything happening to to test. So that this is pretty much where my my comparisons are going to end. And yeah, it's kind of it's 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 tough to know. You know, we were kind of debating with, with with some of our friends about this, like whether we needed whether it's like a good thing or a bad thing to have the video game to to to, to draw up the yeah. comparisons from. And I'm not. I'm kind of indifferent on it at this point. Like, yeah, I understand why you why people want to do that, why they want to talk about that. They even are clearly going to give us some of it in the inside of the episodes, right? Yeah. And so at least we'll get that to where I'm sure they're going to continue to kind of like tease out like the major differences, one of which you mentioned and, and we'll get to here in a second. But yeah, the, the, this episode, like it, it had its good moments. Overall, again, still enjoyable. I just thought that it like stayed a little bit too too close to the pace of a video game where a lot of what you are doing is walking around, like looking for the next clue, looking for the next place, looking for the next mission. And it's like, I just felt like they could have, I, I wanted a little bit more from this episode as far as like, you know, just general layers and additions of knowledge and information and character development, I guess. It sounds like for you, it'll be way better once we're completely past the video game. Probably. What you the, mean, part, the part the part for part you that, that you've played. played. Yeah. Maybe. Because then you won't have to make the comparison. And, yeah. and again, that was the one thing that rubbed for me on this one was that I was like, I remember that. I remember that. I remember this place. I yeah. remember the museum. I remember yeah. the hotel. I remember going through the water. I remember all these conversations. Like It was a lot straight from the game again. Um, but yeah, let's get to the, the final 15 minutes yeah. here. We, we head to the old state house where it is quickly made clear that something has gone wrong with the Fireflies and no meetup is going to take place here. Uh, as soon as they discover the truck that is empty and there's like a body underneath it, Tess pretty brazenly grabs Ellie and leads her inside, like without much caution, which was another tip that, in fact, she had already been bitten. And they discover all the dead Fireflies inside. Joel explains, one of them got bit, the healthy ones fought the sick ones, everyone lost. And Ellie tells Tess that she, like, because she's being questioned here, she says she doesn't know where the Fireflies were meant to take her specifically, just that it was out west, on the west side. So Tess flips out on Joel because he's like, fuck this, let's leave, let's go home. She's like, that is not my fucking home, I'm staying. And she says, I mean, our luck had to run out sometime. And that's when Ellie realizes, fuck, she's infected. And Tess reveals the bite. It's like near her collarbone, kind of. And it is already progressing pretty aggressively. Like, it is really taking over her shoulder and neck area there. Um, Which, again, just shows you, and literally, Tess tells Ellie to take her bandage off so Joel can see just how immune this girl is. doing the same thing. Doesn't do any of that to her. She says, uh, Ellie says, or I'm sorry, Tess says, this is real. Joel, she's fucking real. And tells Joel to get Ellie to Bill and Frank's. Says that they'll take Ellie off his hands and handle it from there. And as they're having this conversation, one of the infected wakes up. Joel shoots him in the head. But then they can see the ground underneath the now dead infected is like active fungus. It's like connecting, connecting. (laughs) And then like sends a message to a sizable horde of infected that are nearby. Yeah, the fish floppers. Right? Yeah, I think so, right? Or, su- or something that was my, similar. That was yeah, my assumption, yeah. though, that it was like that big group that we had seen. Um, although I'm not entirely sure how... Because they weren't traveling that far. Like, remember at the beginning right. of the walk, she says, well, it would be 10 minutes if we could just yeah. go straight. Yeah. But they can't go straight. They um, do end up going straight, though. They do have to take the short route. They go the, the short, short route, route. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. The we're fucking dead route. Yeah. And, in fact, one of them is fucking dead. Yeah. 
Um, so Tess dumps some kind of flammable liquid and grenades all over the ground. She's just like dumping out stuff, and and she tells Joel, "Save who you can save." Yeah, she's just a deep line, you know. And then uh, Joel grabs Ellie, and he leaves without a word, even as Ellie protests. And this is just to give another little, you know, critique here. When I played the video game and this went down, I was like, oh my God. It was like as heartbreaking as Sarah's death. Uh Like, I was like, I cannot fucking believe Tess. Now I'm just going to be me and this little girl. What the fuck, man? What the fuck? (laughs) And and maybe it's just because I knew it was coming, but it didn't quite hit like that. Like, it wasn't, it didn't quite break my heart the way that Sarah's death did in the opening episode and the way that Tess's death did in the video game for me. So I'll leave it at that. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, She she definitely, I I was just kind of like, this is not really a critique or or anything. It was just an observation. It's insane that she's just like gonna let this one give her the Dementor kiss. What right? the fuck was that? Like go you, and you're just relying on like the luck of maybe getting this thing. You just dumped out a bunch of grenades. Come on, go uh, go pull the pin on one of the grenades. I guess she's so in shock, but she handled herself so well up to this point yeah, that it's yeah. kind of just like, and lady, one lady. Just like walking to her, you know, the, the 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 scary mushroom stuff starts coming out of that guy's mouth. He's gonna fungi horny, Michael. <laughs> He's gonna smooch her with it. He's gonna French kiss her. With yeah, it. she just takes she it. She just takes it. You can't. Yeah, what the hell? That's she almost the, embraces. Very, very like, dangerous. Oh, yeah, very just dangerous. Go, just goes for it, man. Really, really disturbing stuff. Um, Plus, I don't know about you, but even if I'm, you know, on the precipice of death there and about to, to, you know, sacrifice my own life, I don't want to become full fungus ever. I'm not going out like yeah, that. Let me go out like semi-human. One of their tongues in my throat. Yeah, I don't yeah, think hey, so, I dude. I don't think so either. Hell no. But um, but yeah, but yeah, I I, I it. I think because I hadn't got here, hadn't gotten here, I all, I I I mostly agree with what you're saying. Like this death didn't really like it, it was unfortunate, but it happened so relatively quickly in the grand scheme of things. Like, she's like oh, I'm bitten. I thought five t- minutes I, later, I thought dead. Tess was going to be like a, a longer character. Now I was kind of curious about it because as as you may have inferred when I was asking you questions, like I don't really remember Tess that well from the game. Yeah, which kind of speaks to how tertiary i guess she is in the first place it was also a decade ago when you played it no no it was just a it was just a couple years ago oh really yeah you gave me the ps4 to play oh it yeah on. that was only a couple years ago huh. so um but yeah yeah i mean it was it, it i i wasn't i was curious how long we were going to get tests and, and anatorov on the show and and it was a pretty quick run so and, i do know, think I, she'll be back do you? I think and like, like flashbacks. Yeah, I think there will be a cold open that shows the beginning okay. of Tess and, and Joel's relationship okay. too right. somehow. Because I did note that she was listed as a guest star on on the end of this episode. Ah, yeah. so that doesn't mean she can't guest star in another episode. But, but not full. But she's full but she's cast not or whatever on that's the called. Full cast. Now she, they yeah. may have put her on the full cast for the first episode so that we did. They didn't, didn't like know. spoil it. Yeah. in a way for us um, that she that she was going to be short lived. But um, but yeah, yeah. They 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 gotta they gotta bomb it all out there. Yeah, her flicking at this lighter for a while was was just it was not anxiety that I needed at this point. I was like, "Come on, you got to be kidding me! She can't get a flame." But that one infected notices her, becomes aroused. It does because the, the way that goes down is just weird. All it of was, it, yeah, because he doesn't yeah. like attack her the way you would expect. He just kind of like walks over to her smoothly, like, "Yeah, baby, you want some of this?" Yeah. And then she just takes that that weird green kiss to the fucking dome. Yeah, gets the lighter to go, blows the whole room to hell. And we keep bringing up other shows. This kind of has felt like Andor so far through two episodes in the way that they're just like, here's a character, fall in love with her, and now she's gone. You know what I mean? Like, they're just discarding people as a means to, like, it's a plot device that shows you 
the stakes, right? Yeah, right. And just how how easy it is to go when you're in a rebellion in the case of Andor mm-hmm. or when you're dealing with a zombie apocalypse in the case of uh, uh, The Last of Us. So it works. It's just like this particular death with Tess I, didn't crush me the way I felt like it did when I played the game. And that yeah. might just be because I played it. Um, the big difference that we've referenced a couple times in the video game, as they talk about in the after the episode, uh, it is the military that is chasing this trio that comes in. Oh, and that, that, that's the big thing you were talking about. Yes. Oh, well, I got another one to bring up. Then. Yeah, okay. So in the game, after you escape the QZ and you, like, killed some soldiers to get out of there, they clearly know you're out there on the run, and that's who chases them and catches up with them at the, the town hall or whatever this thing is called. So how do you feel about that change? Um, well, they kind of explained it. They were like, from a scope perspective, it didn't really make sense. Like, it works in a video game. It doesn't work here. And the other thing that they got into, which may be what you're going to bring up. The spores. Was the spores, right? right. That in the game, and I kept waiting for this in episode one, like Mm -hmm. to see if it was going to get addressed. There's spaces, areas that have these floating spores that you cannot go without a gas mask. That's right. And they basically explained that in order to make that work, it was never going to work on the screen. Like it makes sense in a video game. It's easy, but like spores aren't contained to one area in open air. So they wouldn't be able to make that look good and make sense logically on the screen. Totally. 100% agree with that. Also, the other big thing is thank you, God, for not casting Pedro Pascal in another role where he has to spend 75% of the time walking around in a mask. (laughs) You don't want all your, you you know, you don't want all your, all your people, all your pretty faces, all your, your charismatic actors having to don a gas mask for half the episodes like in mando like in mando exactly so um so i'm glad that they that they did do away with that uh definitely that that makes more sense for the sh- for the show would have been too complicated um yeah i and i understand the i understand the filmmaking decision to just kind of have like the zombie hordes chasing after them instead of fedra like i guess what they meant by scope is like it's just too much budget it's too much like you can't just have military and helicopters and tanks and all this shit like flying around chasing these guys for the next seven or eight episodes um but it does bring it into the the only reason why i like you know it, it feel maybe slightly like oh man like it kind of would have been cool to see that is because now we're kind of just doing the zombie chasing thing. It's a little bit more, at least in this traditional. One. I don't know that as far like, as zombie shows go. I don't know that they meant that's going to be like our main thing the rest of the way. Okay, I thought they okay. meant that in this particular instance. I got you. I got you. Because what the, my takeaway was, the military would not spend all of that time and energy and effort chasing three people. Yeah. Whereas, because in the game, it was one of my thoughts. I was like, seriously? All these guys? <laughs> right, like, was right. it that big of a deal that we wanted to leave the QZ? Jesus Christ, this is insane. Yeah, yeah. Um, and you're dealing with both of them, clickers and the military, in the same place. And it's just like, good God. Yeah. Which makes it a little crazy and silly. And, and I, I, I get what okay. they were saying. Right. Yeah, but that, that, that tracks. to your point, it is really something to keep an eye on moving forward. Because if our only, and this is the thing, I know this isn't going to be the case, but if our only foe was zombies moving forward, was infected moving forward, yes. that would get a little bit, it'd that, be bad. Yeah, that's, not good. that's what I was saying. That's that is saying. not going to be the case, okay. though. Because even on the, like, next time on The Last of Us mm-hmm. or whatever, like, they start getting into, like... When they go to, not Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, what are their names? Frank and Beans. Frank and Bill. When they go to Frank and Bill's, they have some type of a discussion around, like, the the Raiders. 
that are out there. Yeah. Remember, they've got raiders, they've got slavers, there's all kinds of bad shit going on out there that's even worse yeah. than the infected Barrett, apparently, raving, allegedly, I'm not sure. Raving and reaping and sowing and yeah. tilling. Yeah. <laughs> all the bad stuff. They're living the Iron Island Shouts life. to the Iron Islands. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so... They did also explain in the after the episode that like this communicative network of fungus spore or uh, the, the the threads uh-huh. and whatnot, like that's something they introduced almost as like a counter to some of the stuff that they're taking away. Right, the spores thing. Yeah. Yeah. They yeah. lost the yeah. spores thing. They brought in the communicative network of right. fungi. Yeah. And uh, I, I do like that addition. Yeah, it is I'm a okay cool, with that. That change for sure. Well, it's a differentiation from yep. like what we're yep. talking about, where usually it's only like one zombie has to be like <laughs> to like. <laughs> You know, throw out a yeah. no, basically yeah. like a call, so that the other zombies know where to go. Now it's like they've got this full blown underground, you know, message yep. instant right. message right. machine. It's the worldwide fungus web. It is, and it but only a mile long. I love that they had to put some limitation on it. They were like, some <laughs> yeah. of them are as long as a mile long, just to be like, you can't be like in San Antonio and you yeah. take the wrong yeah. step in Austin and suddenly there are you know a bunch right. of infected on the way over. Thank goodness. Thank God. Um, but yeah, so now all that, Joel and Ellie are on their own. Just the duo, right? Presumably heading to Bill and Frank's next week, and we will find out who those dudes are. Yeah. Um, which I'm assuming one of them is Nick Offerman. That, yeah, and I think maybe the other one is Murray Bartlett. Oh, yeah. That'll be a fun duo. That will be a, quite a fun duo. We're going to get laughs out of those two, I hope. Looking forward to, to that. Yeah, maybe a couple, maybe some lightness with the with the, with those guys. Ellie is introduced being a, to being goofs. a small amount of, of comic relief, comedic yeah. relief uh, with her, you know, sandwich line. Mm-hmm, she does mm-hmm. a, like a, that was that fast, really, in episode one um, when Marlene is like, deal. But I don't think we're going to be getting many jokes out of Pedro here. You know? Yeah, right, right. His character seems lacking in a sense of humor. Yeah, he's a cowboy. Yeah. He's so real, he's, he's just a hard ass just out there. He's a hard there. ass. So hopefully uh, Bill and Frank's excellent adventure provides some... some he's seen too much shit, man. He's some lightness. He has seen too much shit, Barrett. The light in his eye is gone, you know? Yeah. He's got no more love left in him. <laughs> Folks, we'll be back later this week on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Go to support the show where you'll receive additional and exclusive ad-free episodes each week, further digesting each episode of The Last of Us driven by hotline calls from our listeners in the Mollusk Militia tier. Again, that's Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles. Go to BolinMedia.com slash shop to get yourself some OCC merch. We've got House of the Dragon-themed stuff. We've got White Lotus-themed stuff. We've got uh, Succession-themed stuff. Some Sopranos-themed stuff. Go check it all out. BolinMedia.com slash shop. Follow us on TikTok at Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, where we just cracked 20,000 followers, by the way. Appreciate y'all who are there on TikTok with us. Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles, and Twitter at Clams and Cockles. Follow Mr. Barrett Dudley at Barrett Dudley, A-B, not A, At B-A-R-R-E-T-T Dudley, D-U-D-L-E-Y on Instagram and Twitter. And I am at W-R-B-O-L-E-N, at W-R-B-O-L-E-N on Twitter and Instagram. We appreciate y'all. Video for this episode, by the way, produced by Cade Orris here at Bolin Media. Um, If you've never watched our show, the audio drops. And then within a couple hours on YouTube.com slash at Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, you can catch full video of the episode, whereas I've said both weeks... Fully redone and revamped studio here at Bolin Media Headquarters where you can see Barrett and I with the glorious set 
that we have built for you good people on YouTube to enjoy. A lot of compliments on the new the new set. It looks good, Barrett. On this new Parisian wood and Italian brick. Oh yeah, baby. Yeah. yeah. The Italian brick. Spared no expense, just like at Jurassic Park. That's right. Until next time, Clam Fam, if you're lost in the darkness, look for the light. <laughs>